Mayday, mayday. Incoming interview with some brilliant folks of audio-loving joy who ah, make the wonderful solar audio fiction released this year and doing very well in all charts. Have you listened yet? Oh, I'm very excited to chat to them though. Oh, I'm not sure, not sure how it's going to go, what they're going to say, how they're going to say it. Oh, the ship is crashing before it's even begun. Sarah, 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 Sarah. You, you can't do this. You can't start with this uncertainty at the top of the podcast. Well, why? Why, Chris? Why? Because you're suggesting a pod host's deniable infallibility. I don't even know what that means, Jenny. Stop worrying and just be yourself. Oh. Yeah, just be yourself. Stop the stupid accent. We all know authenticity is the hotcakes of podcasting right now. Oh, so hot hotcakes. Uh-huh. Take your foot off that break and just do what you love. Chatterama. I mean, that's not even a word, but you make it work. Oh, but you mean I, I've got the power to make you say anything right now? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on, you blues. Why isn't this podcast sponsored by Jaffa Cakes? Yay, Everton! Oh, I do love Jaffa Cakes. I mean, hey, make veggies, call me. So, uh, I can get you to say anything I want, right? I guess. Anything. Anything, yeah. sure. Maybe, maybe don't, you know, keep it clean. Don't keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you say NDIF asks the best questions, has the best guests, and is something any discerning audio fiction creative should listen to? Would you? Yes. Yes. Would you say anyone listening is brilliant, very intelligent, indeed, and creatively awesome, and will make the best audio fiction shows ever heard? Of, of course. course. And we would also say yeah. you should probably get on with the show, Sarah. Yeah, people want to get to the nitty-gritty of how we made the exciting thrill ride of a show with a spectacularly brilliant cast if we do say ourselves, and surround sound, sound design. You, you mean you want to talk about solar? Solar? Yeah. yeah. Shadows, Shadows are darker, are this, darker close this close to the sun. To the sun. Oh dear. Do it for the people, Sarah. Start the interview. Yes, for the people. Hello, people. Oh, I, I have power returning to the engines. Auxiliary power is back. Stand by on remote joystick control. Let's activate this glorious interview, baby. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah, that might get a bit of a cut. Thank Welcome to another truly exciting hot, hot, hot Indie AF with me, Sarah Golding. Hello. And my glorious guests today are some sun hunters, some inaugural audio fiction fun punters. I, I think they've got the balance and have huge limitless talents. Yes, from indie podcast Kurtco Media, it's director, writer, executive producer Chris Porter, who does Hello. also more, and director, voice actor, podcast host, and more, Jenny Curtis. <laughs> Woo! Hi. Hello, and welcome to the show. Oh, uh, I hope you're doing well in this glorious, crazy June of ours. <laughs> mm. Doing all right. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Oh, well, I'm very excited to speak to you because uh, I want to say firstly, welcome to the Audio Indie Fold, having made your first ever audio fiction show. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, I gather this has been, been two years. Awful. Yeah, so a little. Yeah, in yeah the over that. Yeah, Across a, a very scary <laughs> crazy world pandemic for us all right so so mm -hmm. first questions first let's delve in how how was it for you have you you've got the bug are you gonna make some more <laughs> oh, yes i'm just yeah, gonna we, jump right to it yeah we love the medium we love the possibilities it holds yes. uh we love the freedom that it holds oh, yes. uh and we love the interchange that it has with the listeners where they get to actually you know visualize the story that we're telling and it's just really exciting all around Fantastic. Yeah, there, there's something really beautiful about audio dramas where, uh, you know, we've, we say this a lot where it, it engages the imagination. And I think that kind of uh, medium also creates a better community because people are 
sharing their thoughts and theories and and talking to each other about shows. And I think that kind of community makes it so exciting to create in. Totally, totally agree. And I, I wonder if we can talk your specific process having come to this. I mean, you had experience in other media and other styles of podcasting previous to this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so, so what's drawn you in other than some of the elements you've said to, to start to tell this story in, in this medium? First? Well, to I mean, the, the history we have in podcasting is actually, uh, we did, both of us have done other shows. Oh. We've, we've produced some talk shows. I host a show called Hollywood Unscripted. There's, yes. there's some other Kurt Co. shows that we have that we love and enjoy, but they were all kind of coming to be at the same time that solar was being developed. Mm-hmm. Solar was always on the table of what we That's wanted right. to do with Kurt Co. Media. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much that like we were in the podcast world and then shifted to audio drama. Chris and I actually have a background in immersive theater. We work together in a company called Speakeasy Society. So from the start, storytelling in a narrative form is our forte. That's what we love to do. And so it was always, uh, how can we explore different mediums? I've I've worked across the board. I mean, on top of theater, I've worked in film and, and digital and uh, all sorts of different ways. I've worked in animation of telling stories. So it was almost like audio wasn't somewhere I saw myself going. But when I landed here, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. And I kind of just uh, dove into this unexpected way of exploring a story and and. So for, for me, sorry, not to cut you off, Jenny, I'm sorry, but just for, for me, my background is actually in music and sound design oh, wow. I, that I started doing music composition. And I went to California Institute of the Arts where they actually have a very large animation and theater department. Uh-huh. And so I started doing music for animations. And then I started saying, well, let me also do the sound design for these animations. Yes. And then I could find ways to tie them together. And then I met some theater people. And that's how I got sucked into the Speakeasy Society as a writer and a music director. Oh. And so with those skills, like it felt very natural to like say, hey, why don't we explore the world of an audio drama? Because then I can use the words and the sounds and the music to help tell the story. Uh, So definitely Jenny was one of the first people I approached when I was like, hey, I have this idea for this mission close to the sun. Uh, And it just went from there. We got the green light. So while we were doing these other shows, it was always on this stove percolating was solar and it eventually came to the forefront. So exciting. So it's your completely your fault for, for instigating the, the story of joy <laughs> yes. and sending it out into the Everything world. is Chris's fault. Let's just <laughs> put true. it that way. Even, <laughs> even where my socks were this morning is your exactly. fault. Exactly. Absolutely. I still haven't found them, Chris. Can you send me an email? Tell me where they are, please. I will. Uh, <laughs> Probably behind the couch as well. Oh, I haven't looked there. Dang it. If they are there. Yeah. Uh, I digress. But yeah, so Chris, you, you're uh, the main writer on this glorious show. And I, I know, um, you know, we could probably talk for hours about the process of writing it. Um, but I wonder if you could give any folks uh, top tips, especially, you know, animation is different to audio fiction, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you don't have the pictures at all. They're just in people's imaginations, as you said. So how did you find that transition over to creating for this? And what top tips have you got for folks doing that for the first time? Definitely, I, the, my biggest piece of advice for anyone writing for anything is the hardest thing to do is begin. Mm. That is the blank page is the greatest intimidator I have ever faced. And just saying like, 
I'm just going to start and the first draft is going to be a complete piece of crap and that's okay. And just so long as I begin, I've done something and done a, an important step in the whole process. Uh, as far as creating an audio fiction, it's really important to just, you know, if, if you're watching a movie, sit there and say to yourself, you know, how would I do this scene if I couldn't see anything? How would I, how would I describe this? Can I do it without a narrator? And like one of one of the important things I joke about it in some other interviews, but I immediately decided in solar that we would have artificial gravity aboard our spacecraft because yeah. I wanted to hear the footsteps of people approaching or walking away. Because that's an important thing for me of like who's coming into the scene, who's going out of it, who's yeah. moving around. But your chief sound designer loved in, you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, he definitely got a lot of notes. Thank you. Shout out to our sound designer, CJ Drew Miller. CJ. Who, who well, I, he, he often everywhere. describes it as uh, he's basically the director of photography in an audio realm. Yes. I, which is a really great way of putting it because like I would just say someone enters someone exits but then we would have the conversations of the door is on the right the room is about 15 feet by 15 feet the walls are made of metal the boots they're wearing boots instead of slippers so like we, we could actually dictate exactly what the scene sounded like uh, but then on top of that one of the luxuries that you have in an audio format is that people talk and people can actually have conversations when you're in a visual medium, a lot more pressure is put onto the action sequence. You know, like like this person goes here, this person does there. What's the edit? What's the cut? And what's really cool in podcasting is that it's designed to just listen to people have a conversation. So you get to have that opportunity that might not exist in a in a visual realm. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the things just to think about going in. That one, you just shouldn't have people just chit chatting. But like you can have long conversations that get to a point. Just think of what it would be like to listen without any visuals. Uh, figure out ways to tell the stories uh, without necessarily even having a narrator. Those are some real fun challenges just to put your brain towards working. Yes, I love can that. Can I tack on to, I, I just want to tack on to the, the, the fact that people can talk and, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily show, don't tell, which is very much a film thing. Uh -huh. But I, I think there's a, there's a way... And I know Chris wrote it into the script. I just wanted to clarify it. Like, there's also a way to listen to action where you're not necessarily saying what's happening, right? Wow. The characters aren't saying, now I will walk to that door. There's a way to design it so that if you, there are many scenes where we just sit with the characters who are doing some task for, you know, a minute maybe of, of, somebody you know replacing the air vents or or working on this program and like we hear typing and building the world through sound when it's not necessarily just uh listening to someone talk is also a really fun area to play in so i think it's also about finding the balance between uh Absolutely. listening to yeah the conversation but also being comfortable sitting in a world where necessarily not you don't necessarily know exactly what's going on at the moment until you kind of sit and relax into it mm, and I if i could that. piggyback mm. off of that piggyback i'm so sorry we got strong but backs it, it, we're okay it's it's that's right we're gonna hang it up i the uh i uh, one of the important things and this is more specific to solar but it's something just to consider uh uh in general when you're telling an audio story is the ambience mm -hmm. uh in solar there's it's a non-linear story so we're jumping forwards and backwards before and after the solar flare that has destroyed part of the ship yes so it became really important that you could audibly tell where you were in the ship 
but also when you were in the mission. So that, you know, if you're in Capsule 1, you hear these things, but then after the flare, there's a broken fan up and to the right. And so you can hear that the ship is damaged, and you can now know, like, anytime I hear that broken fan, I am post-solar flare. You can orient Uh, yourself. And it's a really Mm. cool way. Yeah, it's it's just a really fun way of saying, like, here's a way that you can audibly actually tell time and put the story in an order. Yeah, that's so I'm going to leap... I want to leapfrog one more time (laughs) Uh, just because we have, we haven't really mentioned if anybody listening to this hasn't listened to the show, it is not told chronologically. There is a disaster that happens, you know, before we start the show, but then we tell the story in essentially the present and the past. So that's what Chris is referring to when he says like pre flare, post flare, the ship has been destroyed. So you can hear the changes in the environment from the past to the future or to the present. Yeah, so stop this podcast now and go listen. We'll see you back here in six hours, is it? How long does it take them to binge it? Oh, I think it's probably a little more than that, but yeah. I think it's a little more than six hours. I think it's like seven and a half or something. Is it? Yeah, so there you go. Prep some nice tea, sit down, get some good headphones, enjoy. Uh, Yes. But also, I mean, you know, each episode, it says, takes listeners on a sonic thrill ride that examines the vastness of the human spirit. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, that's heavy. That's big, Chris. (laughs) Uh, And as a a writer, I I asked, what was your process to make sure that that was achieved? You know, and playing with with time and all the things you've spoken about, I think, um, gloriously gave us a chance to explore those relationships of people in more depth than perhaps, you know, a linear storyline might have. So, yeah. For sure. What can you feed us? We need details here. (laughs) I mean, like, definitely don't, like, a hugely valuable thing for me in getting started is story structure and outlining. Yeah. And as long as I have that skeletal framework, like there, there's always the question of writers of, are you an architect or are you a gardener? And an well, architect so is the person who says- That's beautifully I'm sorry to interrupt oh, yeah. you, but it's a lot of people oh, say- Oh, no, no, please, yeah. Say, say, say pantsers or pl- planners, right? So, so yeah, guard- yeah. I love the gardener. That's a, I love to tend to my flowers. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the analogy that I like to use for what I try to do is I try to use a trellis so that there is some form and order to how the plant is growing, but I still have some wiggle room in there to allow the plant to do what it needs to do. Uh, so when when before before solar officially got underway, like there was a large amount of saying like this needs to happen here, this should happen in this episode, this should do this. Uh, but then when I started to actually write those conversations, that's where I could really delve into who they were and what they were going through. And for me personally, I, I can write the characters better when I can find the part of myself in that character for better or worse. And that really sucks when it's for worse, but it still is very helpful uh, to find we all like, got to say, like, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> but like, that's what allows me to say, like, oh, now I know who you are, and now I can write in your voice. And it's because I found that part of me in you. And that's where those characters came from. I, yeah. It's, it's a very, I, He's a problematic figure in history and writing and whatnot, but Ernest Hemingway has this quote that I love where he says, it's easy to write, just sit at the typewriter and bleed. <laughs> uh, it's very dramatic, but to some extent, it's I get that, where it's like, hey, if I want to write a character being really sad, I actually make myself really sad, and then I go write that character. Oh, okay. I, and I don't know that that's healthy, but that is what I do. So Stanislavski writing. 
I've yes. heard that before. <laughs> Emotion memory writers, where are you? Raise your hands. I bet there there's loads of you out there. Uh, no, that's really fascinating. And I, I think as well with um, the kind of the, the different style of voices you've got, I think you've done that beautifully where others can learn. You, you know, And I think finding those different paces and resonances and types of vocal ticks and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much time did you put into to making those? Or did you have actors in mind previous to, to, to help you, you know, guide what's happening with that <laughs> it, it wasn't so much that we had actors in mind previously we did like we did work with specific actors to workshop this project so I, I don't know if chris this is what you're going to say but john bangs who plays jamal was with oh, us right. from the beginning right he would come exactly you know what i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> he would come read through scenes like in my apartment we would we would read through scenes uh with another actress who was helping us develop her name is olivia sandoval and she is Huzzah. phenomenal Huzzah yeah. to you, olivia and and she would like they would come and and kind of read through the scenes so we could hear them aloud and we could develop the characters that way we had some table reads the the nature of casting though and finding voices that differ from each other we were always aware that was going to be necessary because Mm -hmm. we don't want to have to say you know to every single person like i'm who's talking right now i'm who's talking right now And hopefully, like, you get to know their voices and and find uh, who they are. You're familiar with who they are along the way. And so what would we would do, um, our, I think I'm jumping to the casting process, but no, for our, <laughs> our star actors who you all recognize, the mm-hmm. Stephanie Beatrice and Alan Cumming and Helen Hunt, uh, oh, they were you. all offers. Like, we obviously did not have them audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were kind of planning with them in mind who else could fit in so when when it came time to uh, have auditions we had people come in for callbacks and we would run scenes with them and we would then literally because we had the scenes recorded I would you know download all of the the audio and then kind of cut them together so we could hear how different voices sounded next to each other we could hear how and sometimes it wasn't necessarily the same scene so we had one person being like i need to save the ship and one person being like i'm walking around drinking coffee uh (laughs) but at least you can hear the difference between the tones and so that was really helpful there were several amazing actors who auditioned for this project and it did come down to a few of them were very very close and it came down to how how voices fit together and yeah and i i think that's really important and i have uh, when I've run workshops on voice acting, said to folks, look, the reason why you haven't been cast isn't necessarily because you weren't mm-hmm. any good. It's because right. that there was perhaps somebody already in place that you sounded too similar to is one of yeah. the reasons why. Yeah. So, yeah, it really it's, interesting. It's tough. And, mm. and as far as the vocal ticks go, I, a lot of those were written in just like the ways that they view the world and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, but when we would get into the booth, we would definitely still come across times when it was still too much me and not enough the character. Okay. And so we would, we would, oh, the plot was always sacred, but the lines themselves could be kind of molded a little bit to make it easier to get out of the actor's mouth, so to speak. Yes. So. Uh, I'm going to clarify that. that I think that oh, yeah. happened a, a lot, a lot less than Chris is making it sound like. His writing is <laughs> phenomenal, and actors, ninety nine percent of the time, it worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. But there would be that every so often we'd come to a line where we'd be like, "This does not sound natural. You work. cannot, you cannot get this out of your mouth in a way that makes sense." Also, 
we one of our lead characters, uh, Jamal, has this friend back on Earth who, uh, uh, when she came into the booth, uh, her character's name is Chelsea, uh, she said, like, I want to have a way of saying hi to him without with it being informal, like something personal. And so when you hear that message, she says, like, hey, Jay. And it's like that was that was her idea. And we were like, mm. we love that. And I'm sad I didn't think of that myself. But the <laughs> idea is that it is like the, the cool thing about making art is that it is this continuous a collaborative, conversation, yeah. a collaborative effort of saying like, hey, I have this idea. Does this fit with your idea? And yeah. when it does, it's just like so exciting. Brilliant. I will say Julia didn't ask permission for that. She just did it. And we were, Ju- Ju- and we were like the actress who played Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain. Sorry. Julia. Yeah. You make choices. She, she made the choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You never know. It might make it in. Might be cutting room floor. Exactly. As the, as the saying goes. But yeah, I mean, and I'm really interested in that directing process for you as well, Chris, because uh, with regards to being the writer and having your director's hat on, you're right inside that text, aren't you? And uh, I, I do also want to know if Jenny was a bit of a diva because you're in it, aren't you, Jenny? <laughs> Jenny was a diva from the moment we started. <gasps> yeah, I'm uh, the worst. The, yeah, the, no, we we actually had a, a really great collaborative partnership in this project uh, because, yes, I wrote it, and, yes, it was, like, very personal to me. Mm. But Jenny got that and she heard it and she knew how to get that out of the actors, yeah. uh, specifically because she is an actress. So she she right. knows how to talk in that world and how to put them into the mindsets. So when we were actually recording this, uh, it was during the height of the pandemic. So only one of us could be in the actual engineer booth right. at a time when we okay. were recording this with the person on the other side of the glass, the actor mm. on the other side of the glass. I, so it was never a question that like, oh, Jenny's the one who's going to do that. I'll log in over Zoom and just like offer some input if I have any concerns. Uh, but then so she definitely took the lead of direction in the production end of things and the recording and Perfor- performance end of things. performance wise. Yeah. yeah. And so that way, <laughs> my background in sound design and music, I could kind of step more to the fore in directing for the post production end of things. OK, great. Not that any of us were ever out of touch at any point in time. We were yeah. always no. Armin arm but i it was it was just one of those things of like hey our skill sets you know compensate each other in these ways yeah i would say like and this is i we are mushy people or at least i'm a very mushy person so (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna gush about this but like i think it was it was really special to have a partnership like this because I think often there are in in the creative worlds there can be power plays or somebody who thinks they're right or wrong, like whatever and and it gets tense because there you hear it all the time people break up over to, not break up romantically but break up partnership over yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. over creative disagreements mm-hmm. and there was something really magical in the way we were able to work together because I think it starts with respect, but also we always kind of had the same vision of things. Or if there was something where we saw something differently, we could say, okay, let's hear it both ways. And then we'll, we'll figure out how it works best in the story. But I, I loved working in the studio and, and getting to perform with the, I actually performed with the actors as well in order to uh, allow them to to really be their characters. We we let them run through the whole scene, and I would play all of the other actors. Oh, you! I'm characters. so jealous. Yeah, it was really fun. really fun, yeah. really fun. Yeah. And then in the post process, like Chris was saying, he would take the lead in. If he would definitely do the the earlier passes with CJ, where we would get a version back that you know everybody knew was not there yet, but we could kind of give 
of notes along the way. And it became very clear to me very early that I am too anxious for that stuff. I, I need it. I need it to be a little farther along before I start giving my input. And so Chris really, it was kind of, we flipped, um, we flipped jobs in that when I was in the booth with the actors, I would get as far as uh, I needed to get and I would say everything I had to say. And then he would come in and provide his feedback. And then in post, we would he would get as far as he needed to get and say everything he had to say. And then I would come in and provide my feedback once it was um, there. So we really balanced each other out. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a wonderful symbiotic process, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and with regards to directing, I mean, as I say, it's your first audio production. Did you find directing for this medium was different to perhaps theatrical film or any other places you've been working in? You, you know, not so much. Mm. I know, like people, we've asked, we've been asked that before, and yes, I had to get better questions. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm so. I actually love, I love that question, and I think it's really important to talk about, especially if whoever's listening wants to create audio sure. dramas. Mm. It, it isn't a very different way of directing because at the end of the day, what was important to us was authenticity in a performance, right? It wasn't somebody in their head thinking, how can I make this work for audio? It was be the character, be in the space, feel the emotions, and we will pick it up on the microphone. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I love talking about this. One day we had an actress literally say to us, look, I I hear what your direction is. And if I could use my face, like if you had a camera on me, I would be able to give you what you want, but I don't know how to do that with my voice. And we basically said to her, like, do it as if there's a camera on you. Like, don't worry about it. And we'll hear it. And, And we did. And I think so it was a really interesting experience for those of us who were kind of coming from other mediums and figuring it all out in that no matter what, at the end of the day, as long as it's authentic and and a like a solid grounded performance you're going to hear it mm, definitely mm-hmm. and and i think what's interesting about that is is regards to getting ready for that directing experience in there is there any things that you can recommend that folks do to get organized and prepared and efficient and just create that safe space for voice actors to just do that yeah. um i would say no Know what you want. Yeah, no, no, no there's no, no, no advice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, <laughs> I'm great at timing. That's why I direct, you know. Uh, <laughs> know what you want, but also for me, especially working with actors, it's it's have the vision of what you're going for so that you can clearly guide them in the beginning, but always leave space to play. You know, I, I I also would feel out who who was what kind of actor. So there were some actors mm-hmm. where it was very uh, direct direction, right? You're feeling this way now. You're saying this because of this. Okay. Think of it as if this is how you're what you're feeling. Whatever. Yes, motivation. Yes. Yeah, and and that that works for some people. And then there were other people, and I think it was more commonly the people we'd worked with before so they were already comfortable with us and trusted us not to do something stupid where I could say things completely unrelated to the show itself and we would just explore what that would do to the scene so I would give directions like it's your first day of teaching and you're giving a lecture to a class do it now or you are standing on a mountain and you don't know how to get home do it now and 
that kind of stuff for me is always the really, really fun part of exploring a script because you don't necessarily know where it's going to go. And once you have that information, maybe it will give you an idea that you wouldn't have had if you had just thought through the script yeah. on your own. Love that. That's right. So, yeah. Right. And, and with regards to working with these na- named actors, I think more folks working in the indie field are starting to approach folks, you know, who uh, have made a name for themselves in various media. What, what was that experience like? And was that all in studio too? Or was some of that done remotely over uh, various platforms? The recording itself was all in studio except for Alan Cumming. Uh, he was in New York, so there was no way to get him into our studio in LA in the middle of a pandemic. Mm, uh, <laughs> but he basically, and, and to get Alan on board, I mean, to talk about the casting process yes, of approaching what did these you people. Do? Did you feed him Jeff Cakes? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Lots of bribery. Um, <laughs> we. For him especially, we like we sent the script, and obviously a lot of it comes down to: are these t- are, is the talent available, and is the script any good? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, being in the middle of a pandemic with nothing shooting gave us uh, benefit there, yeah, and the script him. being fantastic was a huge uh, help in yes. getting people to say yes. Uh, And on top of that, for Alan, we wrote him a personal letter basically saying, here's why we want you. She's being generous by saying me. Jenny wrote the letter and it was beautiful. She showed it to me and she was like, do you want to add anything? And I was like, no, that's gorgeous letter. A little kiss at the end. Was that you, Chris? Thanks, Chris. Yeah. (laughs) XOXO, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Get some lipstick Uh, on there and, you know. Oh. But yeah, I, I basically said, like, here, I saw you in this, uh, he performed a one-man show of Macbeth on Broadway. So I basically talked about the time I went to see that mm-hmm. and how obviously he has a love for his characters like we love our characters. And it was just a really personal letter of, of the whole thing about it. Is, I'm going to circle back to even, you know, in performance, you want it to be authentic. I think in dealing with people, be authentic. Like we weren't trying to flatter anyone into coming on board we just honestly wanted to say here is the reason we think you are the best part of the or best for this role mm-hmm. here is why we have thought of you and why we respect you mm-hmm. and here is why we think this would be an enjoyable experience for you as well if you're interested yeah. and if you can say that honestly and you have something <laughs> valuable to say like do it. If you can't say that honestly and you're making something up to flatter somebody, like then I feel like it's kind of transparent. So Yeah, yeah we can yeah. we can hear it in your writing, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and I wonder because a lot more folks uh, are putting all the paperwork in place a lot more across the indie board now, whereas initially when I started there was nothing. Didn't even have to write in blood or anything. And uh essentially There are things that are coming to the fore of NDAs and contracts Mm -hmm. and, of course, working through unions at Africa for America and and Equity for Britain. How did you 
navigate that? Did you get advice or um, what um, What did you have in your favor to help you? Yeah, we, we did get advice. I mean, with the SAG stuff, I've worked with SAG before. I am a member of SAG. So I can like... hear it in your voice there. We know, we can tell that experience shines through. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but that doesn't make it any easier. Like, it's always annoying to have to deal with contracts, yeah. right? So we we definitely, we had a production manager uh, come on board to help. Her name is Dara Stone, and we basically had her, like, read and reread the contracts because what we knew at the surface level, we wanted to make sure we weren't missing anything. So having another pair of eyes to help peruse what the requirements were was mm. important to us. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the bigger actors, we did have lawyers who helped with the contracts because at that level... It's not really something you can do on your own. Yeah. You will mess up. Like okay. get someone who knows what they're doing to give you either advice and and look over your shoulder or to just do it for you. Because especially in A-list contracts, their lawyers are going to take a look at it and add lingo that you don't understand sure. and will likely not benefit you unless you have somebody catching it and, and re- there's a lot of back and forth over contracts as casting happens, mm. which mm. gets overwhelming. So my, you know, suggestion is to have have people help have a support system. For yeah. sure. So that sounds good. <clears throat> and I, I would like to speak, if there's someone who wants to talk on that kind of nature of things, please get in touch with me on quirkyvoices at gmail.com so we can help folks to navigate that crazy and be a little mm -hmm. bit more savvy about uh, all of that. Uh, mm -hmm. Really interesting. Thank you. And uh, I wonder, let's dive, dive back into the, the fun style part of things. I, I Absolutely. think the sound design is something that, you know, you've really bigged up in the social media as to, you know, this is something that is special to listen to. And uh, I wonder how... How did you decide to record it how you did and, and make that kind of surround sound experience so important as part of the show? Well, we knew that we always wanted it to be as high quality as possible. Yeah. Uh, and so that was always just a given going in. And like I've mentioned before, even in the script, I would specify there's a broken fan up and to the right, like to make sure that we always kept in mind how high a quality of audio that we wanted. Yeah. When we got in touch with uh, CJ, he 100% understood what we were doing. He was, uh, he comes from a film background of a sound design. Yeah. He had started doing uh, uh, sound designs for audio podcasts and he was just doing some really next level stuff. And he knew what we were trying to do. He listened to the script on just playing with mono voices, not even with the actors because we were still recording them to make sure that he understood the story and all of the elements. I we went through a couple different systems, but he eventually found a way of doing it where he would use a, a program called Deer VR, uh -huh. which is a virtual reality sound design system. So, oh. like if you're ever playing a VR game and like you move your head around and the sound moves around you yes. to coordinate with your movements, he was using that as a way to initially set up some of the uh, 3D elements. And then he would use a program that's relatively new called Dolby Atmos, which literally allows you to put it into a seven speaker surround sound system I, so that he could actually map it out so that if you happen to have, you know, a surround system or if you're playing this over a, a, a theater system, I, you would actually be able to hear all of the sounds around you. So if you're only listening to this on just regular headphones, though, uh, it is a version uh, that has just has used all of that information to compress it into a stereo format. Yeah. But as a result, the quality of the stereo is so much higher. Mm. 
than just normal left or right panning. It's literally around you. At one point, Jamal, one of our main characters, loses gravity and he has to push off the ceiling to get back to the main console. And you actually hear him move up and away from you. And then he comes back down when he pushes off the ceiling. Uh, so it was it was all of those things in combination that really allowed us to put this over the edge as far as audio mixing goes. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think with regards to sort of space-based sci-fi, because there's all sorts of sci-fi, isn't it? But yeah, space-based sci-fi. <laughs> I think uh, it's interesting, like the, the signals and signs you've given us in sound as to, you know, where we need to orientate ourselves and how quickly we can do that. And uh, with regards to building those kind of uh, environments and atmos and so on, where do you mainly go for your sort of sound effects and things, or have you made a lot of things fresh? Uh, CJ, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say it is a mix, mix. and it was, CJ has libraries. Mm -hmm. I can't name you which libraries he has that have a bunch of sounds in them that he then... It is a massive number of them. (laughs) Yeah, so many. And then he can take those sounds that he has in the libraries and warp them with different plugins and software that he has so that they are unique and not just something he's grabbed and dropped. But then also he has created sounds in his studio like mm-hmm. that he didn't necessarily have in his library you know we we like to mention the one that we both learned more recently of <laughs> there is a spacewalk uh or there are multiple spacewalks in this show but there is one where they say uh you know checking the tether to make sure they're attached to the ship and then you hear a low thunk essentially to hear that they've pulled on their tether right. and to get that sound cj put a microphone in his dryer and and <laughs> got it that way so now if you hear that if i hear that sound now a hundred percent i can hear that it's a dryer but at the time i was like wow that is a really like that really sounds like it's like a muted space sound it's perfect so like his brain is just friggin brilliant this is why i love sound people yeah because (laughs) you'll give them a thing to do i can't you know i don't know a a bunny running up a tree and they'll just i don't know use toilet paper their mother's wedding ring and i don't know a leaflet from japan and make it just sound amazing it's just wonderful what they can do when you just give them these things and and how much input as a writer did you have on, on that as well chris well i i mean we definitely i would leave some things open ended, like uh Uh, the ship shudders periodically and we hear things rumble aboard the ship Mm. so I would only specify in the script the ship you know shudders and we hear a couple things fall to the ground Uh, and then it would be up to CJ to kind of figure out what that was and so he would send his first pass and I'd say this is great but these are the problems and we would have that back and forth of trying to figure out like what is the appropriate amount of shudder what is the appropriate amount of things falling to the ground Uh, like I think in the very first pass of the shutter, just as an example, uh, he had a bunch of glass things falling and breaking. And I was like, I don't think they'd have a lot of glass things on board a spacecraft. Right. So like, let's yes. pull that out. But then let's have screws fall on the ground instead. Things like that, where mm-hmm. it was like, it's a big give and take of like, what is it that you want to bring to us, CJ? And what is it that I have given you? Because I want to let you still express the sound design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely something to consider. But everyone, if you're working with a really creative individual, one of the worst things you can do is smother them with instructions. Of, <laughs> I need to hear three screws and two matchsticks fall on the ground. I sure. uh, it just it, if you just say like you hear you know detritus hit the ground, that's a way more exciting thing yes. for them to build off of and say, well, what is the detritus? 
I love that. That it's a different language, isn't it, for your actors, for your sound designers. But the the sense that I'm getting is that you've given them plenty of place to play, and that's、mm-hmm. what the creative process. That's when it really is the best fun, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>、sure. Brilliant. And and I want to just touch on that the music as well because I I found that quite glorious in this. Yeah. I mean, so how、much. important was that to you to get the right vibe and? Gorgeousness from that. Very important. It, yeah, it was. It's, it's impossible、important. to state I, how important it、yes. was. I, I, I didn't. People have asked, like, you know, did you think about, you know, writing the music while you were writing the script? And the answer was no. But I was aware that the music would be there.、Mm. I just want to make it clear to anybody who doesn't know, Chris Porter, who wrote the show, also composed the music because、mm-hmm. he is ridiculous. Who's responsible for that? Yeah, <laughs> it's again. Everything is Chris's fault. Chris, <laughs> another person we、Ray. need to clone. There's so many.、Uh, <laughs> no, I mean Chris is. It sounds blooming amazing. So kudos to you. And and、Thank、what、you. part of the process did the music get、uh, get placed? How did that happen? In the music was、game? happening simultaneously with the sound design.、Okay. I so and so that way it was really great because it allowed a communication between me and CJ again of like, hey, you know, I've written this Q and G. But the ship is droning at an F sharp, and that sounds really dissonant inadvertently. Like, can we like move one or the other to make it just feel like a cohesive whole? Or like, hey, here we've heard this ambiance enough. Let's pull that back and let the music shine a little bit. And then here we've heard the music enough. Let's pull back the music and let the ambiance return.、Uh, so it became this really intricate dance between the sound and the music. Focus. I love that. It's like pulling that focus on the camera. I suppose, isn't、mm-hmm. it? We know where to look and where to feel and how to feel because of it.、Right. Yeah, love that. And and yeah, I mean, I think David Devereaux is one of my favourite、uh, musicians currently on the audio、mm-hmm. drama scene because I feel like music as well. Just you know, is a story all of its own and should release them as albums, concept albums, and things as well. And I, I just feel as well with with music. Do you think that more people should? Flavor their piece with it and give give time for it because I think that's what you've done beautifully. Is that you know it's not just action 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 a、uh, little bit of quiet chat between two people. It's like the the music is also given time to to breathe. Too, yeah, which I I, I mean、gorgeous. I'm as as someone who is is still a freelance composer to some extent. Yeah, you always work with a live composer if you have that ability to, and that's what the project calls for because that's just a whole yeah. Yeah. exciting world、yeah. of like, hey, how do I communicate with something that doesn't have words attached to it? And it's it's a really fun thing to do. That being said, it is entirely up to the project that you are you are conceptualizing.、Yeah. I can think of a number of different projects where it, music would actually be a hindrance and stick out because you want to have that feeling of gravitas of of、um, like imagine a show like the Blair Witch Project if it had a score the whole way through it would ruin the entire、sure. feeling of it being、mm-hmm. like found footage.、Mm-hmm. So make a choice is the is the very broad answer. Like whatever you do, <laughs> make it the choice that you have made to do it that way.、Sure. And if you're gonna work with a composer, then allow them to figure out how to help tell the story. But if you're not gonna be able to do that, then that's fine. Just make that choice and make it an intentional thing that you're doing. Yeah, 
Glorious. I think there are a lot of unsung heroic musicians out there. So if that's you and you're making music, you're amazing. Keep doing it. One yeah, day that's right. we'll that's get right. the spotlight on you. We need to be celebrating our musicians. I do feel, especially in in audio fiction, much more. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so let's celebrate now. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's about time we listened to what on earth we're talking about. If people haven't listened yet, here is your chance to taste some of the delights. Uh, so we've got a few clips today. I wonder if we start off with the the uh, first m- most dramatic of scenes. Do you want to tell us why you've chosen to uh, showcase this today? What it's doing with the audio medium that perhaps you think other people should should give a bit more gravitas to? So this is uh, part of the story is about Simtech, one of these companies who has co-sponsored this Athon mission, this craft that has gone to close orbit with the sun. They are launching four satellites in a grid pattern in very close orbit to the sun in Earth synchronous orbit. Over the course of the show, you get to hear all four of these payload or satellite drops, but this is the first one where we are going to be dropping the first satellite in the Simtech system of something that they are exploring and experimenting on that we don't actually know what it is yet at this point in the story. But we are inside Eli's helmet, which is the cool part. I We are hearing the spacewalk from his literal point of view from inside of his helmet as all of the uh, other crew members are talking to him over the radio. And part of the reason we chose that is to kind of show when we say like make a choice and and be uh, deliberate about what you decide to do this was definitely one of the scenes where we were deciding when and where the absence of sound might be more powerful than uh, overwhelming sound design and you know what what causes levels and stress and tension and makes something immersive so the the use of lots of sound or no sound or lots of music or no music, uh, I think is is highlighted here. So listen for that. Groovy, let's listen and strap in. You can't be serious, Margaret. to Ali, now. Why? Pilot Davis, you know this ship better than anyone. We aren't in free fall. The reading is false. Reboot Ali, it's a glitch. It isn't real. Reboot. Commander? Do it. Do it. Ali, please reboot all systems. Please verify command to reboot all systems. Reboot! Searching for mission control. Mission control located. Successfully rebooted. All systems nominal. Specialist OZ, please retract the payload bay arm. Yes. See, I could, yeah. I could almost <laughs> feel that breath in my face, the poor soul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think what you were saying about uh, the use of nothing, <laughs> of yeah. silence, of a moment, and just giving you a chance to think is just beautiful. I don't know if you want to say more about that, Chris, and how you know that panned out in your head. Has, has what you imagined in the writing of it happened here audibly? <laughs> the, the, like, well, what's, what was really fun is I knew as soon as I wrote the whole, like, you hear the breathing in the helmet and he's alone. I was like, there's not going to be any score, 100%. We know that, yeah. like, he has to be alone. And we don't want to hear a bunch of violins all of a sudden, you know, along with Eli. We have to hear this poor guy 
be alone and be scared. But definitely the first time I heard that scene that where that moment was mixed, we had a whole spreadsheet for notes going back and forth between CJ and us. Oh. And uh, my note was in all caps was just like, this is amazing. Like you've done, you, like this is exactly what I had in mind. This is perfect. And I will love you forever for doing that. <laughs> that's so, just what you need, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. That's right. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really important. I think those coming new to the medium would do well to, yeah, give stuff breathing time don't just yeah whiz mm -hmm. through to the end <laughs> mm -hmm. that's right mm -hmm. no i love that and and the second piece is 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 different because we have a, a kind of monologue experience and i love as a voice actor you know when you get a monologue you think ah oh, that is exciting and i think this is no uh, no exception so yeah do you want to tell us why you've chosen to to share this one today yeah so this is uh, a part of a actually much larger monologue mm -hmm. uh performed by jamal who's our our lead character in the pilot and I really just wanted to show um, the way we we said you know we could sit with these characters and listen to them talk and and this monologue originally when we were recording the pilot this scene was 20 minutes long oh, okay. and uh, in our next draft of it we had to kind of move part of the scene later in the episode and, and mix and match a little bit more so that there was a different flow to it. But I, I really just wanted to highlight the performance of Mr. Jonathan Bangs, who, who really, you just, you get to know Jamal so instantaneously because he is just sitting there showing you his heart and his passion and why we're even telling this story because we really see this story between his and Ren's eyes. So I just wanted to introduce the world to Jamal a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you don't love him as much as I do, I don't know, maybe there's something wrong with you. No, I can't say that. <laughs> here we go. Here's Jamal. For six years, while my mother worked in the library, I planned a secret life without her knowing. And in one afternoon, all of it came crashing down. One of the books I checked out fell to the back of my locker. The late notice from the library went out. My mother saw it, checked my history, and I came home to a list. The Challenger disaster, January 28th, 1986. Columbia, February 1st, 2003. Vladimir Komarov, 1967. Michael J. Adams, also 1967. The three on board Soyuz 11, 1971. And it went on and on and... <sighs> you still want to throw your life away and go to space? My mom asked. Yeah, mom. If God made the universe, then why should I be scared of it? Would you like me to provide a list of all space disasters? I know it by heart, Allie. My mother burned it into me. Every name, every disaster, every possible way to die. My mother thought all these men and women would be deterrents to me. Reasons why I shouldn't follow my dream. But they sacrificed their lives for something, right? They risked their lives for something, anything. Life doesn't have to be contained by the bounds of gravity, does it? Does it? I am unable to answer the question. No one will ever know if they thought it was worth it because those people who sacrificed their lives are gone. Yeah. 
I mean, it's the melodies that Jamal's got in his voice. It's a whole orchestra of glorious different mm-hmm. styles and tones and timbres. Yep. Yeah, absolutely love it. And, you know, bless all the people that have gone before that. You know, yeah. Space travel has taken mm-hmm. on this uh, progression into whatever we do next. But, yeah, I think having lived... Uh, in a time with uh, media really bigging up any notable space exploration, mm-hmm. uh, that hits home, doesn't it? Those, those oh, yeah. yeah. I, a huge much. driving factor and thematic element throughout the whole show is the idea of sacrifice and self-worth. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. why we felt that it was more honorific to list real disasters in our fiction podcast because it's like these people have sacrificed themselves. Yeah. And if we're going to continue doing this, people are still going to be risking their lives. And that's a valuable question for each of us to ponder is like, what is the sacrifice and what is my worth? Yeah. Amazing. And and just regards to performance, um, uh, how did you work with that piece? Was that just recorded all in one? How much input did you have as directors? With, with this one specifically, um, this was the piece from the beginning. It was the first, if not one, one of the first, or if not the first thing you wrote, Chris? It, it was the first actual dialogue. Like, I mean, it's, I know it's a monologue, but it was the first piece of actual thing that was going to be in the show because we had written a concept trailer previously yeah. mm-hmm. uh that was technically the first thing that i wrote for solar apart from pitch decks mm-hmm. uh but this was the first thing that ended up in the script okay. yeah Amazing. and so it was always you know the beating heart of where we started yeah, set the time. and <laughs> yeah so so when we went into recording this was actually the first day we had john bangs in the studio we had him do this monologue and it was great and wonderful but it was our first day of recording and we learned so much and by the third day of recording we had kind of changed the tone of the show and so we realized we had to go back and re-record this 20 minute scene slash monologue because uh we had learned so much and from that we we learned again and and we were really really uh dedicated to making sure this scene really flew and so for this like john brought his all and every time he would every time he was in the studio yeah he he would crack himself open and it was just beautiful beautiful work but for this one we really did not let anything slide when we would get into the edit bay and be like you know what we think we could have grabbed something that that turns it this way or or let's lean into this concept or whatever so we i think ended up doing this like four different times okay um i know one of the time like there would be silly mistakes just to to talk about mistakes in recording there was uh you know a day where we forgot to ask john to take off his jewelry and he had like bracelets on or a necklace on or something that we we could hear all the way through (laughs) So, so we had to redo it and uh, there was Chris. Do you mind if I talk about like mispronunciations that we accidentally did? Oh no, we can do that. <laughs> so like Chris and I accidentally told John to say, "What is it? We soyas? So- soyuz? Like we soyuz soy- is what soyuz? it is." How did we do it? Because we, we I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it was, we had the actual soyuz? pronunciation wrong. <laughs> And so when we finally finished this scene and we found out the pronunciation was wrong, there's actually a line in there that we had to go back in and just re-record that line and try to make that fit so that... 
we didn't. In have our defense, a... you can find it being mispronounced all over the yes. place online. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's because it's. I mean, we it's a Russian it. word, so yeah. Other languages are a quagmire, aren't they? And I, I admire you for that research and going to that level, right, of making sure that you've done you know the best you can to make it well, correct, right? <laughs> and it comes mm-hmm. down to like, how are you telling your story, right? To us, Jamal definitely would have done so much research; he would know. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other characters where maybe we would have let it slide because they're lazier. Right. Okay. But Jamal was obsessed. Why would Jamal get it wrong, you know? Yeah. Right. And his mum sounds like a battle axe, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. no, love her. And, <laughs> and yeah, I think that's at the heart of it. That's where his love is, really, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think there's so much to be said as well for, you know, getting the depth of resonance of a beautiful voice to be pl- as playful as that one, but mm-hmm. also have that uh, glorious undertones of emotion it's just a really lovely performance so yeah employee mr bangs for everything yes <laughs> right. go john go john so we've come now to the india f quickfire quiz of audio loving joy are you ready you two you have no I'm idea ready. what's happening <laughs> i have no very idea. simply you very have exciting. five questions there is about oh 45 seconds at most to answer each one and uh, i hope to give your most authentic and true answers question one are we ready Yes. yes. It's going to be dramatic music. Dramatic music start now. <laughs> Can you just sing that all the way through, please? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, no. I just did the Woody the Woodpecker. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Yes, That'll do. I'm just going to sample that. That's all the way through. So we have our dramatic music. And question one. I read you have a partnership with Radio Alliance Summit Media. What does that mean for your podcast and Kurt Co? And would you recommend folks reaching out to partner with radio stations? If so, why? Um, I don't know about reaching out to them. I will say they they were hugely helpful in that, like, we have a consultant who would help, like, we could run ideas by him yeah. and and chat through The company things. as and, a whole, just the production company as a whole, not just yes, Solar. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. He was a consultant with Kurt Co., uh, Val Nicholas, who was just wonderful on this project. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Summit has been really supportive. And, you know, I know they were playing our ads on their stations and stuff like that. So, yes, anytime you can partner with anyone to get your show out in different mediums, do it. Go everywhere. Any any way you can get more of your story into more ears is the way to go. Three, <laughs> yes. two, well, I love that. Yes, thank you. Number two, what is your biggest challenge in making audio fiction for the first time? Are you going to make more? And when can we audition? Chris, go. The pandemic was probably the biggest challenge. <laughs> yeah. I No, definitely also, like, and I mean this in the best way possible, our own standards were a huge challenge for us to say, like, we set the bar real high and us yeah. trying to get there with very uh, relatively little money and, like, manpower to get it over that hurdle was definitely a thing. But, yes, we 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 loved doing it. I think you asked, is there going to be more? How can you audition? Uh, we definitely, <laughs> there's more... We definitely want to keep working in the world of audio fiction. We think there's more stories to be told in the solar world, and we would be thrilled to be able to tell those stories. And as everybody knows, the challenge that is always there is there's not enough money and there's not enough time forever. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you can't buy that at Amazon. Question three. What is the biggest mistake you made that you want to avoid for future? Is there anything you do differently with some good old-fashioned hindsight? I would double-check pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that too. otherwise everything was good otherwise i mean there are things we would do to schedule differently i think we we definitely 
took more time for some things than we wanted to. The casting process took a really long time. So now we know we got to start the casting process sooner than we thought in order to get the show moving. Uh, we ended up casting the show while we had already started recording. So Helen Hunt was the last person we cast, and oh. we already had half our cast recorded at that point. Okay. So it, the the scheduling, I think, we would we would look at and start sooner and try to juggle better. <laughs> Love that. Thank you. And yeah. uh, Chris, anything you want to add? Seconded. You've got 15 seconds. No. <laughs> I think that, was, <laughs> all good. that was definitely the biggest, biggest thing. Cool. We'll just listen to a bit more Woody Woodpecker for a minute. That's all good. Uh, so, question four. <laughs> what are the benefits of working under Kurt Co? Should other folks make an umbrella network like this? And why, if so? Um, I will say the benefits of working in a company, and especially a small company where you are an active member of the team, is that there are lots of, lots of times where you know, you're maybe giving responsibilities you would never have been given somewhere else. Right. Like if we worked at a massive company, we wouldn't have been provided some of the leeway that we were actually given. Like we really, who who would have trusted us to go create this massive show? Me. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But if yeah. if we had gone to another company that had a ton of audio drama under their belt and a ton of audio drama connections, mm. they might have taken this away from us or not oh, yes. given us. Like we definitely had to fight for our creative vision, even in a small company. But we did some untraditional we, things we, compared to what we, was currently happening in the marketplace. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But working in a smaller company also provides you the chance to prove yourself and really right. fight for what you believe in. I, I think that's beautiful. I just want to put a pin. We're going to stop, stop the quick fire quiz for a moment. You just said you did some things that were untraditional in the space. I want to know what those are. Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. Just like having having a, you know, a, a, even though we divided it in half eventually, but having a 20 minute monologue in the first episode. Okay, right. Having uh, longer conversations. Uh, interstitials were a big part of uh, we, recovered audio assets. Recovered audio assets. Sorry, they got <laughs> renamed. I but like having these recovered audio assets between episodes to kind of keep the story going on Earth. Yeah. Uh, things like that were like big discussion points of like, well, we don't really have an equivalent of to show that this will work or be a hindrance. Okay. Uh, and it's things that could have easily been like shot down, but we somehow were able to shepherd it through and it came out as it is. And Yay. we're really thrilled about that. Huzzah. Oh, thank you for clearing that up. You're wonderful. And the quiz begins again. Last question. Ah. Question five. What do you, why? Why, why, why is audio fiction the best medium to tell your stories? Imagination. I mean, yeah, 100%. That's it. Full stop. Uh, because the, the listener, yeah, then we had said this earlier of like, Audio, and especially cinematic audio, where you've got the sound design and the music and the performances all kind of creating this world around you, it engages the listener's imagination. And I feel like we are so bombarded with screens now. I'm literally, I have three screens in front of me as we talk, and we're just having a conversation. <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, like, we're so overwhelmed with visuals. And I love visuals. I yeah. love working in visual mediums. But like, this is a relief in a way that like it ignites imagination not only for us but for our listeners and i think it's a really special medium to work in and to experience work in and and i'll say that like 
I absolutely 100% am a terrible visual artist. Like I, my stick figures are almost indiscernible as people. And it, it to, no matter what thing I could imagine the ship looking like, I can guarantee that by just giving you the sounds and the pieces and the descriptions, we have countless audience members who already have something 10 times cooler than I could imagine visually in their heads. Yeah. And I think that is a wonderful thing to be able to share between the listener and the creator. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I totally agree. So make more. Thank you for doing the quickfire indie AF quiz. You bet. But yeah, I mean, community, it seems, is really important to you as well. We have spoken yes. and touched on this. And what are you doing with Solo to elevate the fiction podcast space with regards to that and also nurturing community around it. I, I don't know if it's something we're doing with solar in particular, but I think having this uh, this vehicle for us to have joined this community, we have made so many friends. We've, you know, we're visiting so podcast conventions and yes. we're uh, meeting people who come in and, and either work with us or, or consult with us or we're just having lunch to figure out what they're doing. I feel like it's such a supportive community sure. that wants to get to know each other. And so I think we're just lucky to have been invited into the community by having a show. I don't think we're necessarily doing something with solar other than hopefully we're inspiring people to create their own work yeah. and to stay true to their own vision and to aim for the highest quality possible because let's all make high quality stuff. Yes. That's right. One of the coolest things about the podcast community is that Everybody is just excited to have more. And I, I yes. love that attitude. It's not like I need to <laughs> shoot down this person. It's like, I want to hear what you're going to bring to the table. And I want to hear what you're going to bring. Yes, yeah. it is. I imagine it like, you know, the, when we're shown uh, images of my, under microphone, microphones, under microscopes of <laughs> got mics yeah, on uh, <laughs> with cells dividing. Right. And it is that mm -hmm. thing of like these massive cells. And I think I now see like us as a massive, huge, thriving mass of cells all yes. kind of getting on like and that. making like more. Um, so, yeah, I think that's key. And I think with regards to sci-fi itself as well, you know, it's such a burgeoning community of all sorts. Mm -hmm. Lots of different styles and uh, storytelling impetus. And I, I wonder how, how can we help each other in those kind of communities in discoverability inside and outside as well of the fiction space? Because I do feel we do a lot of navel gazing, don't we? Yeah. I mean, share, mm -hmm. share, share, share. Yeah. When you hear something sure. that matters to you, share it with people. Tell somebody about it. You tell the creators about it. You know, yes. we, we had this conversation a lot where it's like, we're not looking for people to be like, oh my God. I mean, it's nice when someone says, oh my God, I loved your show. But it is really interesting how uh, we don't tend to tell people when their work affects us. We tell other people, which is great. But then, right. you know, the creator, and I'm not just talking about us. I'm, I'm, I've had this conversation with other creators are yeah. just sitting in a void, you know, not mm -hmm. sure how their work is or is not affecting people. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the way we can all help the community grow and help uh, each other grow is be vocal and share your thoughts and opinions, whether it's, you know, on social media or whether it's in a text or a letter. You know, we've had a couple people email us, surprisingly, and, and that right. means so much just to get an yeah. email of like, here's what I got from your story. And it's like, wow, that's... I, I didn't know how important that was until I got emails like that. And yeah. so now I'm like, well, now I need to go back and <laughs> like actually yeah, sure I tell people when I like their work. 
I, I think it's yeah. wonderful advice because you know it is very much a void and I think it can lift you not just for that moment but for a long time and spur you into make, wanting to make more because mm -hmm. because you know that people are listening and enjoying it yeah and with regards to top tips for getting the marketing of your piece out I have seen your banner in quite a few places and yeah. you know you've been pinging things out on various brilliant different social medias I mean uh, what are top tips for marketing from your perspective what's worked for you yeah I will say and I know you know we're talking about indie and it de depends on your definition of indie and we were lucky to have a team on this rather I mean it's a small team but like Chris and I didn't do it all by ourselves uh -huh. so we have this amazing woman Stephanie R. Kellyan yes. who uh, she has fostered relationships she as we were creating the show she was reaching out to platforms to say this show is coming here's why it's special here's why it will be good for you to promote it because we'll promote you and so yeah. it's a really cohesive relationship with platforms where you know if they're good to us and we're good to them everybody's raising the bar for each other and so having a team member like Stephanie, who oh. really took the charge there, was really yeah. important. I, I've yeah. had communication with Stephanie to set, set this up today, and I'm wondering, mm -hmm. what is Stephanie's day right, and how much of a has she got? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean... Stephanie. It's like Chloe for the secret <laughs> of St. Kilda. You know, we all need a Chloe and, uh, and a Liz from Wooden Overcut. You know, there's these special, amazing people who do that yeah. bit that needs to be done, that creative just don't have the headspace time or uh, yep. perhaps even um, want <laughs> to do yeah. that kind of thing yeah yeah brilliant and keeping that hype going right that's the key thing because mm -hmm. I think what I'm frustrated about for creatives is that you know people release an episode one week and you you hype it before it's coming out and you hype it as it's coming out and maybe a few days after and then maybe it's like not hyped again for ages and it's like how, how can we just keep that hype space going because it just seems to like pod fade is a thing isn't it? <laughs> it it really is and it's interesting because like this is a conversation we're having a lot oh, really? of like what what makes it when is it okay to let the hype fade essentially yeah. when is it okay to take a break and and it's scary to take a break um from from you know growing your numbers or whatever it is and so we don't have an answer because we're still figuring it out right yep. but i i will say there is an interesting conversation happening of like like, is it okay to continue sharing information about the show? You know, we're going to be releasing more behind the scenes footage. And hopefully that that matters to people. Hopefully they want to hear that, even though it's not necessarily in world story. And we don't know. We'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. But the idea of putting something out, but making sure it's valuable to the listener, I think is really important. So, yeah. so never yeah. just make noise for the sake of making noise, but yep. continue engaging in a really valuable way that, uh, again, builds the community, builds an audience, and keeps people wanting to uh, connect with you is, is the goal. Super. And how about you, Chris? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I hate to just say I completely agree with everything that Jenny just said, <laughs> but that is honestly, that's what where we are. I don't, I don't have any more... Uh, insights, I think what Jenny said perfectly sums it up. 
exactly super and i mean i uh just now i'm looking on rephonic.com which if you haven't found you really should um uh, i don't know if you guys have used that have you um i i don't know what that oh, is oh i'm so excited know. to share this with you so <laughs> if you go on to rephonic.com and type in the podcast name you can then find a plethora in a kind of groovy graph you can move around of other shows oh you know what i have seen you. this yes. yes yes and that's another way of like why not try and reach out to some of those kind of uh, creatives and say we need to push on our sci-fi grieviness so we do a flashbang together you know get communicating yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. something beautiful could come of that so there are some really nice things like that available i think we can find connections and other yeah. people so you're not insular because that's the thing i worry about a lot for people who are vlogging themselves to get their beautiful story out into the world and then they're kind of all burnt out for the yeah. bit where you need to ping it yeah. out and get known so maybe making connections with other people in that kind of realm might help you to ping out your stuff without I, I think burning out yeah yeah that's hugely important and going back to you know all the magic stephanie has done yeah swaps and i, I don't know if you talk about this on your show mm. before but like yes. swapping ads with other shows yeah. is mm-hmm a free and valuable way to get your name out there, but also help out fellow shows. Yeah, so right. exactly what you just said, go find people who are in, or other shows who are in the vein, who you think their audience would enjoy your show and who you think yeah. your audience would enjoy theirs and talk and to them about to be, promoting each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't have to be like a perfect circle. A Venn diagram is great. Like someone who is almost what you're doing but you have the Mm -hmm. similar audience base is great because then you're tapping into not the same people over and over again but you're tapping into the people who you could pull over to you more different ears that's what we want so many ears all of the ears please yeah we we did a swap we did a swap with a show called let's make a sci-fi which Mm -hmm. was a really fun show um, where and there's a bunch of comedians who wrote a sci-fi pilot and they were bringing people in to talk about like how to make their pilot better or what what they need to have happen or whatever it is uh-huh. and so you wouldn't we didn't know if those audiences intersected right sure. because uh-huh. in theory yes we are a sci-fi audience and they are a sci-fi audience or a creative audience i we didn't know essentially yeah. cuz one is an audio drama and one is a talk show yeah. but they worked magically together and i think both of us really did help each other and i think that that's the point and that's what chris was saying of yeah. like it yeah, doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be the same show There's- i don't need a purely sci-fi audio drama to advertise or swap with sure no absolutely it's all hands up and legs up and lifts up and all those kind of words isn't that's it right. rising tides and boats and things yeah no i love that and i think i mean having been part of us nine for example i know that shannon has been keen to to reach out to other sci-fi podcasts to get them on the show as a character or some of the characters from the shows and and that's been great and also very recently uh, the Newt show actually did a an actual swap on the podcast platform where one of their episodes was on the Oz9 feed and Oz9 was on the uh, Newt feed, which is part of PRX. So we did see spikes and listens and I think they got a good boost too because Oz9 mm-hmm. has, has got some groovy listens. So yeah, there's lots of fun things you can reach out to folks and see uh, if uh, yeah they can just help everyone to, to find your glorious shows. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, I must say thank you heartily for all the advice 
by some things you've shared today. I really am excited for folks to listen if they haven't. And if they have, they should be banging down your door to get more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you. it's been a pleasure Thank to talk so to you both. And, uh, Such yeah, a pleasure. Go Likewise. enjoy yourselves. Make more audio fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to do our best. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Groovy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Jonathan Evans, creator of Gather the Suspects. You're about to hear an extract from our first series, which is now available in full wherever you get your podcasts. Should we shout to let them know we are here? What? Like, hello, it's the crazy people who have broken into your apartment. (laughs) No, in an Alex maybe lying somewhere hurt, unable to get up kind of way. Okay, okay. Uh, 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 hello? It's us. Cara and Veronica. We just wanted to check everything is alright. Hello? In a horror movie, this would be the moment the killer jumps out. Shush. That's not going to happen. No one's even here. Okay. So, why have you grabbed hold of that golf club by the door? Just in case no one does decide to turn up. <laughs>